This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. Did you see the Fox Forum when Bernie Sanders, he was asked about abortion and he basically said there could never be a restriction ever up to nine months? Did Bernie, you see? Bernie Sanders' answer is the most ludicrous, absurd, <laughs> I can't believe it. Seriously, honestly, Why were people not outraged about it? That's, that's because we live in a society where I am pro-life. But I'm, and I am staunchly with love. I'm not, I'm not outside protesting a clinic. Right, right. But I am so pro-life that it permeates everything I do. It's my number one advocacy platform as an engagement of what I call prophetic activism. And, and I, my eyes swell up. I, now, all joking aside, my eyes swell up and I get scared when people say there should be no limits. You're kidding me. An eight right. month, nine month, you're, you're about to kill a human being who's about to come out of the womb. And you have no no restrictions on abortion, and it to me it's the most tragic. It's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. I can't justify it. You, you're, you're, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. That is that sort of rhetoric speaks to the most narcissistic, self-induced, yeah. anti-imago day, anti-god, anti-human concept. That not Bernie Sanders now, but that sort. If we the extend idea of that itself, yeah. in itself, that that philosophy is the same sort of philosophy engaged by dictatorial and totalitarian regimes in the past one hundred years that resulted in the onslaught of millions. We dilute the value of human life, and that sort of rhetoric does not help the case to reverse that. No, not at all. It, it, it's straight. It's almost, and I think most pro-choice people would reject that. Even I mean, I've talked to a lot of pro-choice people who would say. No way. I mean, that's just too late. Billy, the vast majority of pro-choice people believe that abortion should be legal for the first three months. Right. Agreed. And worst case yeah. scenario, for the health of a mother, of course, you can extend that a little bit more. But the, the majority, and, and, and that's all that, That's all polling. That's not hyperbole. Right. Exactly. So do your due diligence. You know, 70 plus, close to 80% of pro-choicers say, first three months, keep it first. If you would ask Americans, if we were to keep abortion, to keep it, would you? Here's the fair compromise. Not that I believe in this, because I believe from the moment of conception. To the end of life, I'm pro-life. But you know, if you would compromise an abortion and limit it, what would be the maximum number of months? Three months. Yeah, agreed. I, and those polls have been pretty consistent on that. Eighty percent right? of Americans would sign off on three months. And Bernie Sanders says, "Yeah, come on, eight months, nine months, it doesn't matter." Before well, when it comes the, out of the womb, you know, you have the right to get rid of it. it it's it's I, it's, insanity. it's insanity. It's insanity. And now both Hillary and and he have brought up this notion of the mother's life late. I understand if you're pregnant five months. You, you have cancer, four months, you have cancer as a mother. That's a tough thing that the mother has to deal with. I'm not saying I agree. I don't agree with killing a life is killing a life always to me. Indeed. But but I, it's a different circumstance than saying the woman's life at eight months. Well, that's a false argument at eight months, the woman's life. You know the baby many, has to come you know out otherwise. Actually, that, that actually takes place in? I mean, that from medical research, the, the number of cases where there is a medical impetus, a reason, a justifiable medical reason, put the politics aside, for a, la- a late-term abortion that is medically related, it's so de minimis that you could put it in the hand. 
It's all within the cap. It's not. It's just. It's not a practical argument. Nobody can seem to actually tell you though what conditions would require an abortion well, be, no, at, at because, eight months again, pregnant because say, well, yeah, okay, the baby has yeah. to come out either way. Because even if that person is sick, we could save the baby. Right. Here. Right. 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 So there's no justification. It's strange. There is never justification for a, a any sort of partial birth. God forbid. That's murder. And and an abortion whatsoever. I mean, I have I have my own worldview. I mean, the life is a life, and it's sacred, and it's yeah, from God. Absolutely. Uh, but but we, we live in, a, in an era where Hillary Clinton is actually using Planned Parenthood in her campaign speeches. I know, speeches. I know. And, and how, Obama started with that, really, too, and, heavily. And, and how, now, this is, I, I have a problem with President Obama on that, because, I, I, I mean, if you look, do you go back, go back to CNN 2008, it was yours truly who asked him the abortion question. And so it was, if you look at the YouTube chat, the video, and it's, it was, I, you know, I had the privilege of asking him at Messiah College. And that value summit in 2008 that we helped coordinate, Senator Obama, tell me about abortion. Where do you stand? And that's where he said it's a, tra it's a moral tragedy, but, but women have the right to choose. And it was, it was, it, so it, it, I respected that. I was part of President Obama's abortion reduction task force. So President Obama in the beginning is not President Obama today. Well, look, he's and gay marriage on a lot of things. He's, it's not, that, he's right. not. He's not the same. He's not the same. But for the Democratic Party to use Planned Parenthood as a... I want to speak to every single African-American, Latino, and Anglo-Christ follower who believes in biblical orthodoxy. How can we justify supporting anything, be it Republican or Democrat, anything that, that in any way, form, or shape defends Planned Parenthood? How can you vote for any candidate? Because there were some Republicans too who did that, uh, very very liberal Republicans. How can we justify supporting any political candidate that defends Planned Parenthood? I believe respectfully it is morally reprehensible. It is a contradiction to our commitment to Christ and Scripture. Any Christian who would support a candidate who defends Planned Parenthood really needs to seek Scripture. And I'm going to get preaching and pastoral here, and you could email me and hate me. You need you need to repent. <laughs> You need to repent because there's culpability in what takes place in this nation as it pertains to the abortion industry if you dare support a candidate who supports Planned Parenthood, Republican or Democrat. That was a good sermon. <laughs> no, and, and it's not a laughing matter. I'm laughing in agreement because I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating time that we've come to. And I've actually eaten up a lot of your time here. I know you have another no, interview. No, no, so no, I, wanna, I, I have to ask you about your book because I think – the book Be Light, Shining God's Beauty, Truth, and Hope into a Darkened World is probably the most interesting title I've seen in a while because it's you, know, you talk about being light in this world where we are right now. Some of the things we're talking about, it does feel dark. It, so It's dark. And this book is actually what we just did. And it's, and it's, it's necessarily to frame, sort of, to contextualize what's taking place, right? To frame sort of the, the optics of here's our reality. We're not denying truth. But I did that for so long, where all I did every day, I got, I actually, my wife looked at me and said, are you, you know, are you battling depression? And I, don't, I, I went, I checked it, there's no, no depression, none of my history, and it's not me. We all fight off little bouts of, of, of moments, but I got so involved in the darkness, looking at the darkness, the way this world's going around, if you go to hell in a handbasket, looking at my kids, and, and, the, and the surroundings, the culture, the relativism, the anti-Christian sort of pushback, everything we hold near and dear. It, it seems to be right now jeopardized, in peril. And I focused too much on that. And I really did believe I had a moment with God in my living room where he basically said, Sam, wherever you go, I just want you to do the following. Tell him to be holy in the biblical sense, not in the legalistic man's way, but in a grace-filled, Christ-centered way, there is still sin. And there is still morality, and there's still right and wrong. 
Tell them to be holy. Tell them to be one. Speak to my church and tell them to be one. The, the reason why this is happening, it, it, it's also because there's so much fragmentation in my body. Everyone's so divided. And tell them to be light. And it's that pecking order. Be holy, be one, and be light. You can only be light if we're one. And we can only be one if we check ourselves from every bit of darkness. So this book, is a, it's literally a, a, a prescription on how to confront darkness personally. The, the darkness of an unforgiveness, of hatred, of bitterness, of jealousy, of envy, of strife, of, of moments in our lives that cause us so much pain and angst and consternation, of the things we struggle with and the struggle of Israel, and, and go through these areas. And then corporately. So this is, this is about, here it is. Instead of cursing the darkness, condemning the darkness, whining about the darkness, why not turn on the light? This book will help you turn on the light and confront every bit of darkness in your personal life but every bit of darkness in society and culture with truth and love. It's the removal of the Matthew chapter 5. You don't light a lamp and, and hide it under a bowl. This book will help you remove the bowl. First, it helps you identify the bowl. You may not even be privy to the fact that there's a bowl hiding your light. And what are the, those bowls? You are what you tolerate. Uber tolerance is a bowl. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Complacency is a bowl. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Comfortable faith, that's a bowl. That, that's something hiding your life. And I speak about sacrificing truth on the altar of political, cultural, and sexual expediency when you don't live up to the truth and advance the truth. And then I talk a little bit about our eschatology, which means while the church is waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. So it's a clarion call. You know, let's be light. And it tells you how to do it. So it's not just a preacher sermon thing. I use, the property, I, I use the scientific properties of light from refraction, reflection, albedo, bioluminescent. I talk about the Milky Way. I talk about the Big Bang. I talk about the, the initial light. I mean, even right now, the Science Journal two weeks ago, the first thing that happens when the sperm hits the egg, there's a flash of light. Go figure. It, came, it comes out right when my book comes out. Perfect timing. So lovely. It all begins with light. And there's light in each and every one of us. And this book will help us expose that light because every single time light stands next to darkness, light always wins. I love it. I love it. And this is what people need. And to the two dynamics, you know, dealing with the self and then dealing with the broader culture, you kind of have to do the first before you can do the second almost, right? There's so many forces outside, but there's so much going on inside too for all of us. Yeah. So that's great. We can't confront outer darkness until we deal with the inner darkness first. This book does both and. Okay, last question for you. Got it. Um, a little bit of a loaded question, but how do how should Christians be responding to like the bakers, the photographers, the, that whole religious freedom issue that's going on? What is the appropriate response? Because I think there's a lot of confusion. I'm a truth with love guy, so I'm one never sacrifice truth, but repudiate all vestiges of hatred. So, for example, I I believe in the biblical definition of marriage. Indeed, I do, but I likewise repudiate every single vestige of homophobia. I have gay people that attend my church. They're not involved in leadership, that kind of stuff, but they attend my church and they listen to the sermons and I, have, and we, and I love on them and I, re, and I would re, reject anyone who would dare make them feel uncomfortable. I, I have, so I have gay family members, gay people that attend our churches and I love them. And, and I love them. They're, they're beautiful people indeed. For example, the North Carolina law. They ask me, what would you do? Do you support the law? Well, I have, I, I have, I'm sorry. Call me whatever you want to call me. I have a problem with a 45-year-old, physiologically identified, medically labeled male stepping into a woman's restroom when a six-year-old girl is in the toilet. I think it's wrong, 
Am I wrong? I, I'm just so intolerant for believing that. that <laughs> You're I'm, a bigot. A 45-year-old guy <laughs> right. should not right. enter into a restroom where a six-year-old girl's present. And, but he's not a guy. Well, if he, if he has a sexual organ that is medically identified as a male, then, so, you know, but here's what I likewise would say. Well, if Target wants to go that route, then for the transgender community, fine. Build a unisex restroom in every Target why not have a family restroom? Like, right, right, do that. Do right. that. So that, that's how you – it's called the Supreme Court, right? Historically, there's this idea of what? Accommodation? And it really resonated in the 1900s, the, 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 the idea of let's accommodate this need or this request. So accommodation. Can we accommodate? Is, you know, it's the question, initial question of law. Is there a way that we can accommodate without jeopardizing the law or the standards, the, the norms and the means, the mores? Well, yes, you accommodate, target accommodate. So it's not this either-or world. If there, if there is this transgender need as defined by government, if there is, and that's, the, that's government saying that, right? If there is a transgender community that has this need, and there are transgender people indeed, we can't deny that, people that believe that they're... Yeah, absolutely. Thing, we can't, Genuinely they, believe it. They, they really believe yeah. it. Again, they really believe it. And that's why I also want Christians... We can't be Christians against transgender. That stuff has to end. Because we can't put ourselves against a group of people. We have to put ourselves in favor of the love of Christ and the truth of Christ and elevate it with the grace of Christ and the mercy of Christ. This thing about being opposed to other groups, that's not Jesus, man. Right. That's not what he did. Even right. with the woman, you know, the woman at the well, uh, the woman that was about to be stoned. That's not the Zacchaeus. The, I mean, that's Matthew, the tax collector. That's not Jesus. It's not against a group of people, but you elevate truth with love. So right. I would say, let the, you know what government? If you're demanding for us to accommodate, then you and then you work with these and make, but don't ask me to have my six year old daughter. Right. Because I will not do that. When well, you're dealing with the rights of everybody and the rights of a group, but, but and that's challenging. My right. You're taking away my rights. My rights, right. Right, my right, rights right. to privacy. Yeah. Protection, free speech. Now from the pulpit, there are some little, you know, there, it's beginning to percolate in certain state legislative bodies of hate speech, including any and all mentions of Romans chapter 1 of scripture that addresses the issue. you got to be kidding me. So we're silencing. You're taking away my rights. In order well, you had the Houston it. thing, too, which yeah. is interesting. Oh, and my, my right? pastors were involved in that. Two of them were in that lawsuit. So it's, it's amazing. Billy, we're living in interesting times, but this thing of juxtaposing and creating a dichotomy between two worlds and saying it's you versus them, no, man, it's light versus darkness. Should they make the cake? Would, would, do you think that the bakers should make the cake for a game couple? I have my own opinion on that one. I have my own opinion about it. My opinion on that is would I make, if I were a baker, and would I make the cake... And you would argue again the whole the, the quintessential you know would you make a cake for the swastika the Nazis right, 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 and all right. that if you're a Jewish baker would you have to be would you obligated to create you know to right, make right. a cake for swastika I think if it contradicts your conscience and your moral convictions and 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 again this is not equi equivalent to race God forbid you know no this is a, it's you, not it's, the it's, same it's, issue. That, that, that's people do that it's it's you know and, and that's not that's not that's not at all acceptable. But if it violates your, your conscience and you say, here it is, I wouldn't, I, 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 I personally would say, here's my industry. I'm a baker. And if you're asking me to bake anything, 
there are certain things that I can never sacrifice my conscience on, be it the swastika or being a biblical truth. So I will accommodate and say, I'm willing, you know what, if that's the case, I'm willing to help point somewhere else, right. do something else, uh, whatever it takes, and try to seek some sort of accommodation. I'll do the entire cake. You want to put, you know, that symbol of two men or two women on after you leave here, that's up. That's totally up to you. I just, I want you to respect me where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm coming from, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, whatever you, I'm not, it's, it's, try to accommodate. At the same time, my evangelistic pastoral self says, it's a great time for witness. Meaning, if you bake the cake and you put on the same sex little sort of figurine on top, and, and you have to, maybe you want to, before you put it on, say, I want you to hear me out. I, I don't believe in this figurine. It's not who I am. But, you know, I respect you, but I disagree with you. Right. I want you to right. know why I disagree with you. It's not because I hate you or don't believe in you. You're created in the image of God. You have great destiny. But here's what I believe, and I want you to know that before I put this figurine on. Yeah, and, and having that and, conversation. And, and have that conversation and, and have a moment. It's a tough two. one. It's a tough, it is tough. It's tough. It is tough. There's a difference between forcing a photographer to be at the wedding, too, and be a part of it and, and a but service a cake, you do before. A cake is a cake. Right, a cake but, is but, a cake. But then you go back to the swastika, though. Do you ask that Jewish baker to, to, do, to create a cake, to bake a cake, and put a swastika on top? Or do you ask a lesbian print shop to print flyers for a church that are anti-gay but, marriage? Billy, that's my argument. If, there, if, if it's good for the goose, you know, if, it's for everyone, right? So, it, and I, are, will they be willing to? If, and if our, if our government is going to require for us to accommodate, it's all across the board. There's equality. The next great civil rights movement in America will be a Christian civil rights movement demanding rights for Christians. And you're going to hear, oh, yeah, that's just silly. Absolutely not. Because we, we, we likewise are Americans and world, uh, and these rights are likewise ours. So yeah. don't, yeah, I want to have the right. I want to be able to demand the same single bit of right that the, that the other communities are demanding with integrity and with love. I want my rights. Well, you're fine. I mean, you're finding bakers $135,000. for. I mean, it's just, it, that's a whole other element. But this is, we will have another conversation about this. And I appreciate you coming down today. This has been good. Thank you, and we live in Thank interesting you. times, but I appreciate this, and I still think that uh, light always wins. And we will link out to your book as well. Thank, Thank you. you. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com.